Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. The off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Seat Time, everybody. Brian Pierce here, your host for this fine uh, Tuesday evening, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time in Texas. For those of you tuning in live, obviously, we really, really appreciate it. If you are tuning in live, it'd be great if you would share or tell your friends to come uh, maybe tune in right now. We've got some great guests coming on the show to chat about some of the fun stuff that we have been up to. If you are tuning in live or maybe you're even archived, this is Seat Time, the online show for the off-road enthusiast. If you enjoy doing anything with dirt bikes or maybe you just are out there having fun, uh, bench racing with your buddies, maybe having a few adult beverages while chatting about riding, not riding because that's just dangerous. Nobody should be doing that. Uh, this is definitely the show for you, so we appreciate you tuning in. If you're archived or tuning in for the first time, seattime.co is the website. That's where we do archive all of the shows. Um, you can watch us through uh, YouTube uh, to get the videos, or if for some strange reason you're just audio only, you think I'm not too um, not too attractive, maybe you don't like what I have to say while my mustache moves around up and down in front of your face, you can do audio only on iTunes or Stitcher. Just search for Seat Time, two words actually, and that will get you subscribed to what is really just the podcast, so audio only. Again, no face and or mics that I will be able to hit for you all, so we'll see how that goes. Um, seat time brought to you by the fine folks at Fly Racing, Stillwell Performance, and of course the guys over at Fast Company. We super super appreciate their support. We will chat with you a little bit later about some of the product they have that make all of your off-roading experiences that much better. You guys do know I just got back from competing in the Baja Rally. Things went okay. Um, we will definitely dive into all of that a little bit later. But our first guest for this evening is actually the overall champion. From the 2014 Baja Rally, uh, Mr. Scott Bright. So, Scott Bright, how is your evening going, kind sir? It's going really good. I just got done unloading the van and uh, washing all the seaweed and seawater and all the salt and stuff off my bike. So, uh, got the gear all sorted out and uh, the laundry started and uh, uh, the wife and kids just got home. So, anxious to say hi to them, too. Yeah, I bet, man. So you're, are you, does that mean now that everything is kind of unpacked or unpacking, does that mean you're about to be packed up for a whole nother adventure? Um, right. So uh, the car's coming up, and uh, really stoked about that. So it's it's uh, a continuous training process and making sure that we're sharp for that and uh, making sure we have all of our uh, ducks in a row. So man, it's awesome. Uh, just you know, being able to chat with you a little bit more, get to know you a little bit more on all these adventures that you've had and then that we've wound up meeting up at has been really, really cool. And I'm glad that we're going to be able to bring a little bit more light to who you are um, and kind of the effort that you've been putting into to rally. Um, and then, of course, what we'll be leading up to to you competing at Dakar. So I think a big question for a lot of people is, is what got you interested in rally? Um, specifically this uh, desire to compete at Dakar, which through that then you wanted to compete at Baja Rally and a couple of other rallies coming up to try to get training for that. So what really brought all of this about for you? Um, well, I've got a, a group of friends here in Colorado um, as well as in California, and uh, those guys are really into uh, – uh, have been into um, Dakar and roadbook riding and things like that. And I started some roadbook rides about four years ago with those guys. And uh, 
Uh, one of them uh, took off and went to Dakar uh, about a year or two later. You guys probably know Cease. And um, so I've been in touch with him, and uh, he, he had encouraged me that it was a pretty awesome uh, experience. Um, and I continue to ride roadbook rides with him and with, uh, with Dave and uh, Phil and, and the guys from California. And um, as we rode more and more of them and, and I heard all the cool stories and uh, all the awesome adventures uh, from Dakar as well as the other rallies that they were doing, I would just I just knew I had to do it sooner or later, you know, whether it be Dakar right out of the gate or uh, maybe the Rally de Certos in Brazil or uh, maybe the Toreg in North Africa, um, Sardinia. I was in Sardinia for six days this past year. And uh, Sardinia's got an FIM rally, too. So um, all of those things just piqued my interest, and I, I just um, can't wait to get into it. And I uh, got to talk to Dave Peckham uh, um, this last spring, uh, maybe March, April, and uh, he asked me to be part of his effort uh, to go to Dakar this year. And um, obviously, I jumped at it. Who wouldn't? Right. And uh, so – We've been training ever since then, uh, out in the middle of the desert, and uh, you got to participate in one of those the blast. Just uh, being out there, sweating our butts off, uh, rallying, navigating, um, riding hundreds of miles a day. It, it was outstanding. Um, I'm hooked. Yeah, I think that's uh, for me. What I've come to really enjoy about doing. You know these these rallies. Uh, I don't know if you call it if you call them rallies or the rally or any of that kind of grammatical correctness. But um, doing the rallies has been fun because it feels like the next step up from timekeeping enduros. Um, I was a decent timekeeper. I enjoy doing timekeeping enduros. If I had to choose, I do enjoy the national the newer national format better now. But I feel like still having that enjoyment from doing timekeeping enduros that doing rally is like that next. That next challenge above just doing the timekeeping is actually doing the navigating. Have you thought about that at all, or has that connection kind of been made for you? Most definitely. Um, that's one of my favorite ways to race a motorcycle is uh, doing a timekeeping event, um, having a computer in front of you and trying to figure out where those checks are at and uh, riding from possible to possible and, and, and no, adjusting your mileage on the marked turns and things like that. Um, so I really enjoy that. Um, I, you know, I feel like I'm pretty good at it. Uh, the local guys around here dread riding with me at a timekeeper. And, uh, luckily for them, not all of uh, the races in the army see are timekeepers anymore. Um, so we get one or two and, and I get to have fun with those. And, and so I found the rally this past week, uh, to be a rebirth of that, uh, having all of the things to think about and look about while you're riding. Um, and if you make mistakes, you know, you lose time. Uh, for instance, this last week I made a mistake and ended up riding 20 extra kilometers in a test on the clock. Uh, you really got to keep your head on you and, and ride heads up all the time and be thinking it's a whole lot more fun to do that than it is to just kind of mindlessly ride around in circles. So, right. yeah. Uh, so I, I'm glad that you agree with me and that what I was thinking that it wasn't crazy that it is kind of like, if you have that love or enjoyment of doing timekeeping enduros, but feel like maybe you're missing out. Um, and you're not having as much fun at some of the more national formats or the sprint kind of format, look into rally. We don't have many in the States, if any, from what what I've been trying to gather, 
Um, so if we could get maybe some of the people out there that are looking for more timekeeping type events that would get more interested in rally, there might be a chance for us to find a way to put one on more in the States um, or would even bring more interest to events like the Baja Rally. I think that'd be super cool. So, Scott, had you ever ridden in Baja before or maybe down to Mexico, or was this past week your first experience uh, riding in that terrain? So I have ridden in Baja twice. The first time was in 1989. Uh, I rode like an old 84 KTM 250 and promptly blew it up 10 miles down the beach. Um, so <laughs> that was a short-lived experience in San Felipe. And then the second time I rode in Baja was at the Tecate Enduro in uh, 2010. Um, had a lot of fun riding that event, and definitely said if there's any other events down here that are the Enduro type, you know, single track or you know, type uh, game, I'm all about it. And uh, when when Rally came into my playbook, and then uh, uh, and then the Baja Rally came about, it was kind of a no-brainer. I right. had to do it. Yeah. I, I super stoked on that event. Um, I feel like just, you know, what what I did with the RMS guys, with yourself, Dave Peckham, and Ian Blythe there in July in uh, Nevada, learned so much, and it was jumping in head first. And when we get into the Baja Rally in kind of that first day, really awoke a lot of what I learned with you guys and what you guys taught me at nighttime when we talked. You know, we never got a chance to ride routes together, which is fine. You guys are training at a different level for myself, which was just learning at that point. Um, but it really reawoke a lot of what I learned that weekend, um, and, and it was great. It was just awesome to have like that feeling of, like, holy crap, I actually know what I'm doing. Uh, you know, you don't need to be the fastest guy to have a successful rally. And I think that's what's so neat as well about this. Just like with timekeepers, sometimes timekeepers, the fastest guy doesn't always win. Sometimes it's the smartest racer. Um, and looking at a gentleman like Philip Bowman, by no means a slow rider, but an awesome navigator. And he did fantastic. I think what seventh overall, um, at the rally. So it's, it's super cool to see guys like that come away with such a fantastic experience. And me, I'm super enthusiastic about it. I want to do it again, and I blew a bike up on the second day. Um, it just it goes to show how much fun that these events are and the cool people that you get to meet. Um, so now that you've been practicing a bunch of rally in the sense that you're going to go race the car, so focusing on racing rally, not just riding roadbook routes with some of your buddies, um, and you've done the Baja rally, which you've gotten your first rally out of the way, what was your biggest learning experience from the past week? Wow. Um, or, or we can even touch on a few learning experiences if in case you forgot right. to bring TP one day and realize on the trail that rocks hurt to wipe your butt. Any of that yeah, is good learning experience. <laughs> cactus, not good either. Ooh, um, yeah. <laughs> no, so it, it was it was a huge learning experience. And um I was anxious to test out my ability to navigate while uh, on the clock. Um, honestly, I hadn't done that before except for just timing myself. Um, so being in an event where you're on the clock against other competitors was kind of the first for me to, to, to try to navigate at speed and focus on what's on the trail and then also focus on what you're supposed to do around the corner at the next intersection or watch for dangers or, or those kind of things. Um, then again, also feeling out the event, you know, how does it run? Uh, who starts the test first, second, third? 
Um, how do you transfer in a liaison? How do you restart the second test? You know, how does that timing work? Um, how, how do you handle issues on the trail? Um, there were so many things that I learned this week that were invaluable uh, towards preparation. Um, I feel like I'm um, five times more prepared than I was just a week ago. Right. So I really enjoyed the event and enjoyed enjoy the learning experience too. Um, now, you know, Dave Peckham is a very experienced um, rallyist. I don't really know what you call them. I, I would say racer. I mean, racer, obviously, being that he does race rally um, and other type of events. So was there anything specific that he maybe called out that said, okay, this is how the Baja Rally does it, but that's not what it's going to be like at Dakar, so don't get used to that or don't buy into this way to do things? You know, I, I think uh, the biggest advice that Dave gave me that paid off is to, to be open-minded, be flexible, uh, don't stress out. This is this is a long event, and a lot of things can happen. And just because it didn't go your way in the first test or on the first day, there's so many more miles to go. Um, you know, if you've been tested through 150 miles and, and there's 1,000 miles in the event, you have a long ways to go and a lot of things can shake out and sort out over the day so you don't necessarily need to need to be stressing about what happened in this section or the corner or or when you got lost in this spot um for me uh, uh being used to having shorter tests and being timed in shorter tests if i make a wrong that is at the end of the day but if you make a wrong turn and go down a trail and have to turn around and come back not the end of the events. You got multiple days and a lot of miles to recover from. So you just try to stay on top of your game and uh, continually focus on what's next. Don't stress about what happened in the past. Just focus on what's next. Yeah, a big thing that a big experience that I had that I learned is unfortunately I lost my GPS on the first day. Um, you know, whatever it was, 30 kilometers in, we come to that first speed zone. And uh, I'm like, oh, crap, I got to go. I got to switch to my speedometer. And in the midst of doing that, I, like, look for where my GPS would be. And it wasn't there. I was like, well, what the hell? And just, you know, fluke of crap, it, it apparently kind of buzzed off at a time when I just it just didn't see it. A lot of times you can catch that out of the corner of your eye. And I didn't, unfortunately. So I get to the end thinking, oh, well, crap, I'm, tot- I'm like, DQ'd kind of a thing. Um, and the way it works is it, what really they're doing is they have waypoints that they want, hidden waypoints that they want to make sure that you hit um, while out on the track. The only way they can do that is by using your GPS. They program those in there, um, it, it, or in a sense, to make sure that you go through them. Well, they couldn't verify that I went through them, so just they just said, okay, you didn't make those waypoints, so for every waypoint I missed, they would penalize me an hour. So by the end of the day, it was a penalization of three hours, and as long as I can come up with the GPS for day two and continue, then I'm fine to keep racing. So in reality, if I were to then have semi-flawless next three days, it, I could still actually be competitive because you never know. Just like you said, somebody else could have some kind of weird fluke, blow up a bike, or you know, other kinds of shit could go wrong. Um, and it could still be your rally to win. Um, so that's kind of a, a neat experience to hear. So you did actually have a problem out there where you wound up going like 20 kilometers the wrong way and had to turn around and figure it out? Sure. Um, yeah. And uh, then just, I mean, it, it takes some uh, mental maturity 
it through a situation like that because when you realize you're that off course and you made a couple of decisions in a row that were incorrect, um, just have to compose yourself and go back to the last place that you knew for sure that you were on course and then sit and focus on where it is that you should have gone and what choice you should have made. Um, and uh, that's big. That's big is to not lose and uh, and not lose your focus, not melt down, um, and and just show some maturity and, and work your way through it. Um, yeah. And that's one, one thing I really like about this sport that really attracted me to it is, um, you know, I, I'm an old timekeeper enduro guy, and I I'm not competitive against you know the faster motocross kids that are riding enduros these days and. Uh, rally gives me a chance to be competitive again and to to extend my uh riding racing career and um it's it's been so much fun and i can't wait to to do more because uh it's it's uh it's really cool keep things moving super super fun man um i was trying to think of something uh i hate it when i brain fart like this i'm like oh there's something so good that you just said and i want to play off of it but what happens i totally screw it up so which bivouac did you enjoy the most? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. They all were very interesting. I mean, uh, that, that's a tough question. Um, Horsepower Ranch was awesome. Uh, they had great chips and salsa. The bar was outstanding. Posters on the wall of uh, um, Malcolm Smith and all the Baja heroes were down there. I just had to sit there and, and just... I was amazed at, at all the people that have been through that place um, and all the history that it has. Uh, the next night we were at Coco's, um, and I was kind of nervous about being out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, for sure, we <laughs> yes. were out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and but that was that was a surreal experience because you know the the sun went down and all of a sudden there's a million stars out in the sky and. Um, uh, I've, I've never seen a sky that clear. I live in Colorado and I've never seen a sky that clear. It's, it's, uh, really cool to be out there in the middle of nowhere and down with motors on your, um, and just be prepared for the next day, you know, and, and, uh, sleeping out underneath the stars and then getting up at four o'clock the next morning, doing it all over again. That was a pretty cool experience. Yeah. Um, the next we went was Mama Espinosa's. And uh, that was cool to get back in civilization, uh, you know, to see <laughs> yes. people again. That was cool. And uh, and have some awesome uh, fish tacos and, and whatnot there at Mama's. That was awesome. Um, and then to have a, those a uh, couple of the sections based out of town was outstanding. So um, it was cool. It was a lot of fun. I, I can't pick a favorite. Yeah. Um, I'd have to think about it for a while. I know. I I probably would have enjoyed Coco's a lot more if I hadn't kind of been, uh, and I didn't really like drink myself into you know sadness kind of a thing because of my bike blowing up that day. I really was just like I really didn't know what to do because at that point in time, somebody was already trying to kick the idea around in my head to ride the Suzuki that my dad had brought with him as kind of like, he called it his wheelchair. You know, I mean that's why he brought it. it was just kind of one of the things. that's like if he wanted to get to a spot. That was a hundred yards away. He could just get on it, kick it, and go, and not walk. You know, because of his knees being so bad and all the pain there. So I was just kind of like, uh, I, I just didn't know what to think. I was just still so kind of mind screwed from just screwing, you know, from seizing the bike, trying to figure out what happened, all that stuff. Um, so 
I think I would have enjoyed Coco's a lot more for that. I did not get a chance, unfortunately, to appreciate what it was, um, which is unfortunate. But, hey, I, I always hope that there's a chance I'm going to be going back. Uh, it was such a neat experience. I know that if the Baja Rally falls on a time I can do it next year, that my dad and I both want to do the exact same adventure. Though, we have decided... Um, that my dad really wanted to take his new new RV, and obviously everybody saw it, and it was probably a bad idea, but he really wanted to do it, and he made it work. But, it, but he did make a decision that he will not take it again next year if we do go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw that thing rolling around. I'm like, wow, that's some uh, expensive machinery rolling down that rocky road. Uh, it, it might ought to have had four-wheel drive. It might have done a little better. But, uh, My dad yeah, said it did have four-wheel drive because it was a dually. He's like, there are four right. wheelers yeah. driving. I was like, Dad, that is not the same. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it needs six-wheel drive. I know. But, uh, you know, I was so excited for you when I saw you got on that bike um, and and finished the rally. I mean, that's the kind of attitude that that this sport is. It's all about getting to the finish line no matter how or what it takes. And to see you get on a 200cc 40-year-old motorcycle and uh, hook it, you know, 300 miles into the finish, that was unbelievable. I was really happy for you. Thanks, That That was awesome. Yeah, it was it was fun, and I'm so glad because what happened when Dad and I were driving from Coco's to Mama Espinosa's and El Rosario, that's when it really came up. I was just kind of like bummed and stuff, and we were talking about it, and I was like, well, hey, somebody mentioned you know riding the bike, and he goes, you know, I was going to say you should do it, but I didn't want to pressure you. I wanted you to figure it out on your own, and I go, okay, well, what do you think? I'm actually asking you, can I ride it one? Do you think it'll make it, and can we actually prep it? and go through it to make sure that I don't make it to, you know, 10 kilometers and it literally blow up. And he's like, yep, we'll get there. And that'll be the goal. I was like, okay, we're going to do it. And that's exactly what we did. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, they're the air filter for one, like I went to go change the air filter and the air filter completely fell apart in my hands. I think we even have a picture of it. I don't know. It was just, I was like, Oh my gosh, it's completely disintegrated. Um, and so I'm like, crap, what do I do? So I take a dirty KTM air filter and I cut it up and kind of like shape with some, uh, with some Duco cement and then some silicone. I like kind of create this air filter for the bike. You know, my dad took his, uh, his phantom batteries and we mounted them behind the, uh, the number plate. And that's what's actually ran the whole roadbook and navigation setup, not the battery on the bike. Cause we didn't trust it. Like it had like, wow, it was like two volts, you know, and we were like, uh, it doesn't take much, but we don't want it to die and me not have any, you know, uh, upper cabinetry, if you will, working. Um, so it was, I mean, we're got video footage that we're collecting and the whole Woody navigates the Baja rally video that we were working on is probably going to morph into this kind of discussion and, documentation of what it took you know to turn this 1987 suzuki sp200 air-cooled 200 cc four-inch travel machine into a bike that could finish you know 300 plus miles of a rally it was it was intense so tell me your experience in the sand dunes of the last day and then i'll tell you mine um so I was. We had done some training in Dumont, uh, Southern California, for the sand dunes, uh, really working on cap headings and things like that. Um, honestly, I was uh, the first out in that test, and so I was kind of laying down a track on my own. And um, I, I 
for it. Um, had with a hole in a sand dune. Um, just about dropped the front wheel onto a hole and would have taken me a long time to get out of there. But um, other than that, just navigating through the dunes, and I picked up the road on the other side without an issue and uh, raced on. So, man, the dunes were a ton of fun, but they weren't really an issue as far as navigation and, and getting lost. So I was pretty stoked with that. That's good. I was really concerned going into the dunes, but luckily, being you know almost dead last starting, I had a lot of tracks to follow. So one, thanks for doing a good job and not creating a bunch of shitty tracks for me to get lost on. Um, and then I, I, it was it was I think I would have had a lot a little bit of trouble um, knowing what it was with the road book. Um, it I didn't know how Scotty was trying to tell us what to expect with his markings yet especially when it came to the dunes. I realized that the way he marks a wash when you're riding in a wash was different from what I'd seen previous from some of the stuff we've done in Nevada. So little things like that took me a while to get used to the way that he was setting up his routes versus you know the little bit of experience I have in the past. So apparently we just lost the Skype call, so we're going to see what's going to go on there. So while Steven gets Scott back up, I definitely want to say a big shout-out to Fly Racing. So Fly Racing, for those of you guys who do not know, is a huge sponsor and supporter of Seat Time. With that, uh, it's I use the patrol jacket, their 2015 patrol jacket, while in the desert. We've talked with Ian Blythe and a couple of guys about why they wear these vests and these jackets, and a big portion of it is to kind of create this swamp cooler effect. You want to have some of the vents open and vents in the back so that the, the hot air doesn't immediately... Um, you know, dry the sweat off of your body so that the sweat has a little, excuse me, has a little bit of a chance um, to stay on and help cool your body. And it worked great. So if any of you guys are thinking about doing any of these events out there in the desert, out there in the heat, um, definitely look into the 2015 Fly Patrol Jacket. Um, I would imagine the pants work just as well, but I was wearing um, my, my typical dirt bike fly pants. Um, but those were great, great, great. So flyracing.com, and you can go to the gear line and read more about that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we were talking about the dunes. What did you think about the sections where we just got to literally rip down the beach for kilometers on on top of kilometers? That was outstanding. Um, so I saw the notation in the road book where, uh, it said, uh, um, head in this particular direction and then turn on a heading of 310 degrees and go for 12 kilometers and it had a little uh, picture of some waves on your left. I'm like, oh, sweet, here we go. So uh, jumped out on the beach, and I knew it was just a, a 12K pennant up the beach. And uh, that was outstanding. I mean, you don't get to do that in America. Um, Baja is the place to do that. So it was, uh, it was surreal, ripping, wide open, fifth gear up the beach for – for uh, 20 minutes, it, w- it was outstanding, um, and then just uh, watching your mileage click off, and, and when it came time, it was uh, okay. Turn right at this particular mileage, and sure enough, there's a little uh, two-track road that peels out of the dunes, and um, so it, w- it was it was really cool. Um, skirting around, uh, splashing through the water here and there, and and trying to find the firm spot in the sand, you know, trying not to sink. You get too far inland. And the sand gets really soft and, and you, you know, kills your speed. Uh, the closer you can get to the ocean, the firmer it is, so it keeps your speed up. But then you don't want to be, you know, taking a dive in the ocean either at the same time. So 
um, it was fun ripping up the beach for sure. Yeah. What did you think? So the second time we were on the beach and we came into those rocks, those wouldn't that rock road like just the I mean, that was the weirdest kind of rocky thing I'd ever ridden on. It moved, yet it didn't move, and it shook, and it didn't. Sh- it was so strange. Yeah. Um, so it, it was uh, like 12-inch diameter uh, round river rock all, all piled up on the beach, and we had probably a mile of it to ride up um, and then turn right off the beach and, and head on up to the little town there. That was really cool. It reminded me of a test, a special test in, in uh, six days in Chile in 07, uh, we had a test that was like that for three kilometers. Um, and so it's really a challenge to try to keep your wits about you and not um, allow yourself to slow down and drop the wheel into the rocks and just pitch yourself over the bars. So um, it just kind of takes some uh spot to keep keep things moving forward and uh, keep that front wheel light. Cool. Well, uh, Mr. Scott Bright, what are some of the things left for you now as you, you know, start really really focusing on dakar or do you say dakar which that's a better question is it dakar or dakar well i've heard people call it both and uh since i haven't done it and haven't been there i don't feel like i'm qualified to make a pronouncement decision on that good enough good enough uh, (laughs) i'll go either way you know whoever i'm talking to is calling it dakar i'll call it dakar too so I'm not partial. Yeah, uh, good, because I, I either screw it up all the time or I'm dead on. I don't know, 50-50 chance, so yeah. hey, whatever. <laughs> yeah, So Sorry. No, get ready, man. What's the setup here? I know you guys are getting ready to ship the bikes over there, but what are you particularly going to be working on to make sure that your experience is the best one that you can have over there? Um, I want to make sure that I'm rally ready, as Dave would say. I mean, if there's one thing that Dave, Dave has taught me from day one, it's to be rally ready and uh, you make sure you have all your stuff lined up ahead of time. Um, like, for instance, every evening uh, throughout last week, I uh, went so far as to have uh, my riding shorts lined out, my um, knee braces, my pants, my jersey, my tool bag. I'd have my uh, drink system already loaded up. The gloves are laid out. The goggles are prepped. The helmet's out. Um, and everything is set to go to where all I have to do when I get up in the morning is just put all that stuff on, uh, shove some food down, and uh, and I'm ready to go. So uh, the road book is all rolled up. So I think that attitude carries forward into uh, what we'll be doing over the next three months, and that is making sure that we're rally ready. Um, and so a big part of that is making sure that my uh, physical conditioning is as good as it can possibly be um, and making sure that all the details around the bike and, and uh, the gear and all that stuff is taken care of and uh, um, and we don't have any issues. Um, little things will turn into big things if you don't take care of them ahead of time. Uh, so that's really what I'm focused on is the details right now. Yeah. Uh, little things turning into big things. That could be like a message for like, you know, trying to stay healthy too. Like if you don't take care of you as a little person, you're going to become a big person. Maybe. I don't know. That might have been stupid. We'll figure exactly. it out. <laughs> so, well, cool, man. We really, really right. appreciate it. Uh, any advice for us on how to be more awesome like the great, great Scott Bright? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just an average man, guys. So uh, anybody that has uh, kind of fallen off the enduro scene because because they don't do enough timekeepers, um, you really ought to think about rally. Um, it's really not that much uh, in the way of equipment to get started, and it is an absolute blast. It's huge miles of riding. It's uh, thoughtful navigation while you're riding, and not always does the fastest guy win. Just like we've proven this week, uh, you know there were a couple uh, fast Baja factory racers that uh, that didn't end up winning because of one reason or another. Um, and so all of the rest of us guys have a chance uh, because there's because anything and everything can happen. So um, if you're uh, if you kind of fell out of timekeeping enduros and, you, and you're looking for something new, I'd really highly suggest uh, starting to ride some rally navigation routes. Give me a call, hit me up on Facebook, whatever, and I'll uh, give you some pointers on how to get started on that stuff. It is a ton of fun, and it will definitely be worth whatever investment you make in it. Uh, and how much do you think I should charge people to ride the SP200 now that it's uh, you know been Baja proven? <laughs> that's a famous bike now and you know it's bulletproof so uh <laughs> i don't think it's gotta be huge it's gotta be huge <laughs> oh man so all the people that say i'm a quitter they can suck it okay that's all i gotta say to them well mr scott Wright, we really really appreciate you coming on the show taking some time for us if you haven't had a chance definitely go hug and kiss your family i know that it feels good to do so after being gone for so long and i look forward to the invitation to the scott bright school of awesomeness for some colorado riding next summer Count on it. Come on up and we'll go ride. Awesome, man. Well, you take it easy. Thanks again for being on seat time. All right. Thanks, man. Later. Later. All right. Well, cool. So now we're going to get Mr. Eric Kudla in on the show. We we did try to get both of them on together. We Whenever we can get two people that have such great opinions and are such good um, talkers, if you will, communicators, I like I like the discussions that we get, but unfortunately, just with some technology errors, like we don't have those on seat time, it was a little hard to get everybody connected at the same time. Um, so we're just going to split them up, and so now we're going to go to Mr. Eric Kudla. But while we do that, I definitely want to uh, big a big big shout out to another one of our sponsors, Stillwell Performance. For for those of you who do not know, Stillwell Performance is the suspension company to go to if you're looking to do any kind of off-road riding racing or particularly some of the harder enduro type stuff or maybe enduro cross um they're big sponsors of guys like max gersten cody webb currently with the beta team um and of course they do su uh, support kyle redman uh, who actually will be on the beta team next year as cody webb moves on to the rpm team so Guys like that need a lot of help when it comes to suspension, and Alan Stillwell and all of his guys at the shop do a fantastic job. Um, if you don't believe me, one, give them a call and just ask them and talk to them. Don't don't say, hey, can you guys do my suspension? We know they can do your suspension. Talk to them and learn. Ask questions. Figure out why they're the ones to do your suspension because they're going to be able to do that to you. They're going to be able to explain that to you. Um, I don't need to sell it. They can do that for themselves. And if not, watch Ask Alan Anything or the 4CS um, piece that we pulled out of that episode. Both of the things are fantastic ways to realize that Stillwell Performance is the place to get your off-road suspension done. Stillwellperformance.com. So, Mr. Eric Kudla, how is your evening going, kind sir? It's going fantastic. Taco Tuesday. Did you it's get, always my excuse. Did you get your and, tacos? Uh, why, yes, I did. Oh. I have them ready. Uh, Jesse's Taco de Mexico, one of my favorite spots in Oxnard. Hit it up on my way over here, on my way to the thing, and uh, 
yeah, ready to go. Fantastic. So, are you back in the states then? Is it? I mean, it sounds like you're talking yeah. about a local a local joint to your house. Yeah. No. Yeah. I got I got home yesterday about five p.m. Uh, after all was said and done, uh, party with uh, Andy Grider all night, which was a lot of fun. Didn't get back until about midnight or one, and uh, since we, you know, we didn't get to do anything except work, 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 work the whole time. Right. So it was really cool to actually get to hang out, hang out with you in the jacuzzi. And uh, Andy and a bunch of the other guys from Colorado, so that was cool. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even have pants on, so that was the that was like the best part. Well, I didn't have a shirt on during the presentation, so that was perfect. <laughs> it's just you know you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta make it feel legit, and that's what I do yeah. every time. Exactly. So, oh, and yeah. hold on, it's I talked to Xavier Galindo, who works with uh, with Dakar, uh-huh. and I asked him. I asked him, how do you pronounce it? Because I have no idea. It's like a, a, a Cherbies. I've called it a service my entire life. And then the guy from a Cherbies said, no, it's a Cherbies. And so then I asked uh, Xavier, okay, so how do you say this crap? And go, it's Dakar. Dakar? Dakar. That's what he said. And he's the one of the, he's one of the directors of Dakar. So. It is kind of a, like, like almost two syllables, but not really. Yeah, Dakar. Dakar. Like, it's like a little hyphen in it. Hmm, That's what he told me. So you can still call it the car like an American murder. Any American would fuck it up. Yep. Or a Texan. All right. So, Eric, I figured I, I've been there. I've done it, but I did it from my perspective. What would be the one thing that you think the listeners would want to hear us talk about from the Baja Rally? Something that just blew the blew your blew your socks off? Just the places that we were. Right. I mean, we were in the most remote places. I've been to some of those places uh, racing Baja, but like just passing through, we were staying at Coco's, we were staying at Mama's, we were, I mean, we had bivouacs, but you saw the picture, or people have seen the pictures of Coco's where it's just, you know, we had the lights, we had fences, we had, um, we had, uh, the, the tents, and we had food, and we had all this stuff of the Coco's, and that is very literally in the middle of absolutely nothing. From San Felipe to the next gas is like 300 miles, and he's in the middle of that somewhere. He doesn't have gas. He just has cold beer. Oh, exactly. And it was only kind of cold. It wasn't cold beer. It was just it was colder than my hand beer. It was which colder hurt, than outside temperature beer. Which is which is all you really need. Yeah. I mean, that's you know that's how that's yeah. Your body actually digests it better if it's hot. So. so for those of you who don't know, like myself, before this journey, Coco's Corner literally, as Eric said, middle of nowhere. As I've said, middle of nowhere. You just are going down this choppy ass, ruddy washboard type road, and then all of a sudden it just like thing comes out. Welcome to Coco's Corner, and it looks like a gypsy camp. Um, yeah. With maybe even less organized than a typical gypsy camp would look. Um, and there's a sign with a guy painted on it with no shirt and blue shorts, and he has both of his no legs way. amputated. Yeah. And it's like. And uh, that that's like it's like whoa, but like once you look around for pictures, like that's what he he's lost both both of his legs at the knee, just below the knee, to diabetes, um, and he rides around on a four wheeler um, and has little stands on the four wheeler so that he can kind of rest his nubs. Um, and this dude is like a nomad, like straight up. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he's just out there. It's just, it's Coco. That's just where he is, and it's and his it's fucking the corner of the corner of the race course that we always go by and it's coco's corner and he lives in this shack in the middle of absolutely nothing and uh i don't even think it's a shack does he live in that shack or is that shack just like where he stashes stuff no it's where he lives wow and then the rest of his family lives in like the little campers and 
shells and no stuff? Idea. God, I, I hope not. I really <laughs> hope not. Probably. I've... I mean, ultimately, what do you need? If you're just living out there and doing it, I mean, you saw some of the shacks and some of the, like, just the places people live on the beach. That's like, true. they're just like, I fish and then I eat it and I poop over there and I sleep right here every day. <laughs> yep, ready to and go. Ultimately, what more are you really doing with your life? You're doing all that, filling up all the time in between to not be bored. It's all you're really doing. I mean, so, so these guys are just living it. And that, I, that's what I love about people out there. They love it, so. And, oh. and they're they're also nice. That's you. Do yeah. I have you? Oh, come on. Okay. Good. I can hear you. Uh, yeah, and everybody was so freaking nice. That's what I really enjoyed. Like the the ones that couldn't speak English, uh, and I, I I felt like such a jerk. And it's so tough because I literally know no Spanish, and I it was yeah. just kind of like I felt these people were so nice to me and were doing such a nice job of trying to speak English. I I, I mean I really legitimately felt bad for being kind of so ignorant to their language. Um, you know, in other countries I've been to, like France and Germany and stuff like that, like they're kind of like, oh no, you're coming here, you need to speak our language, which I get, and I tried, and I screwed up, and they still looked down on me for it, um, because I wasn't, you know, but they, I don't know, it was just a totally different experience being around, uh, you know, the the culture and the people there that live on yeah. the on the Baja Peninsula. Yeah, those and those guys will literally give you the shirt off their backs. One of the guys that was working with us when we were at that test five out. Uh, where all the kids were, we played stickball with all the kids, and uh, they were doing the checkered flag and everything. And we got there, and I was like, "Man, it is freezing," because it was still foggy, and I was just in my t-shirt. And he's like, "Oh, hold on!" And he takes off his long sleeve shirt, and he goes, "Here, you can wear it." And I'm like, "No, I don't want your gross ass shirt." <laughs> but literally, I was like, "It's gonna be warm right when the sun comes up." But he literally was giving me the shirt off his back. Like we always say that, like, "Oh, these guys will give you the shirt off their back." Like he really, literally was doing it. And, and I mean, that's just that whole place. I mean, almost every single person there are, they're the nicest people. They just, they just want to help. Hey, do you need help? Do you need this? Do you need that? Whatever you need. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's kind of a shame that they're getting this bad name with uh, all the, all the media, you know, people getting killed, people this and that. But I mean, there's people that live in Long Beach and they have more homicides than they do in Ensenada. So whatever. Yeah. You know, it's, and, and you're not scared to go to Long Beach. Well, I am, but they're not because they live there. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, <clears throat> that's one of the big things that they always tell us. Is just make sure to tell people that you had a good time and that you felt safe and that you had fun and everybody was nice. And that's, I never once did I feel, you know, like I wasn't. And that's why I love going. That's why I go all the time. So, yeah. One thing I definitely, I was maybe more concerned about than I would be afraid, but it's like any any time you see a military person, they have carrying an AK forty seven. So, oh. yeah, and it's loaded and, they, and it's ready to yeah. shoot people with. So, yeah. I mean, I don't it's know up. if that makes me feel more safe, but there's definitely a bunch of people with a lot of guns, and they look like they are professionally paid. Uh, you know, you would think law yeah. enforcementers. <laughs> <laughs> you would think. I mean, but they have more guns than facial hair, so who knows? I mean, <laughs> Why do you say that? But you're right. They really yeah. were just kind of super patchy. But well, no. <laughs> they're just these young. Like I remember racing the Baja 1000. I was coming up one of these hills, and there was like a like all the sandbags, and they had one of the big 50 caliber guns, and it was a bunch of like 16, 17 year old kids with their shirts off and military hats, like cheering us on with like a big 50 caliber gun right in front of them in their turret little thing, and 
Like, all right, like as you're riding by these guys. Don't accidentally hit the go button, please. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. All but, right. Uh, so I want to talk. So. A, how did how did you get involved with the Baja Rally? Obviously, you were there last year doing uh, the same deal, helping out with all the scoring and stuff. You're there again this year. Kind of, what's your role, and how did you get involved uh, helping Scotty out with the rally? I I don't remember. Okay. I mean, I, Too many beers. I, no, uh, it was just one of those things. Like I knew Scotty from around and and from Baja and then King of the Motos and he was there at King of the Motos when I was helping Jimmy the first year and uh, he was doing the announcing and you know I really said Scott's the guy that you should get and all this stuff and I think that might have been the second year I don't remember but you know there's so many events they're all the same thing but um, uh, uh, and then Scotty just like emailed me one time and said hey you know what are you doing this time of the year can you help with this and and so I said, yeah, absolutely. I love Mexico. I have a lot of experience, or relatively a lot of experience. I mean, I've, uh, this, I've raced there 10 times, and this is my 12th time or 13th time participating. So 13th time there while not racing. Um, uh, so, I mean, I go there a bunch, and I kind of know the area, especially the northern parts. Like when we went to Cocos the way we did, I've never gone that way. Uh, so some of those places I didn't know where we were. Uh, but for the most part, I've been on that whole section that we were at. Um, and then he just said, Hey, can you help score it? I said, yeah. Uh, do you have number plates? And he goes, no. And then he goes, I go, do you have check books? And he goes, no. And I go, do you have signs? Do you have this? Do you have that? And he goes, no, 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 just get all of that. So <laughs> it just kind of ended up that I was ended up doing all the logistics for scoring, uh, timing, anything that had to do with timing or registration for the most part, uh, I ended up taking over. Um, so, yeah, so I just, that's, that's how it ended up going. And, and, uh, I have experience doing that as I've been on here for three different series already. There's like the fourth different series that I've been on for, on your show for. Um, so I have experience doing it. So I got, I got get kind of a reputation for being all right at that, I guess. Well, I, I, I like the fact that you're a no bullshit kind of guy. You just kind of, you approach everything. You know, as it needs to be approached, it's very transparent and everything is visible. You know, if there's an issue, here's the issue, here's the solution, go. You know, it, yeah. it does, it, that just, it gets rid of all the, all the possibles and all the sometimes of people trying to like weasel different ways in and out and stuff where you don't really leave much room for that, which I really appreciate. I think that I wish a lot more people would run their events like that or their parts of said events. So now that you've kind of been at the Baja Rally twice, I don't know if you've worked with any other rallies. What do you think about the event down there uh, in the peninsula versus maybe some of the other events that you have either competed in or worked with? Um, well, what you guys are talking about, about being at like an enduro and, and, but better, that's exactly how I've always described it, is it's an enduro plus. I mean, it's, I mean, I score using Moto Tally set to enduro. That's mm -hmm. what I do. That's what we're doing. We're doing a qualifier enduro that you have to, that there's no course markings. And you're going, instead of a little 10 mile, 12 mile test, you're doing 153 miles. Yeah. And, and with not a single marking. None. And if you get lost, you got lost. Figure it out, bro. Bummer. I know the, the first year, that's what every, somebody called and sat up and we're all lost. And we're all, bummer. And then that was it. <laughs> like, that sucks. Yeah. Because, you know, we got the leaders in, so obviously they made it and there's no tracks. But as far as, you know, the organizational aspect of everything, it's real similar. It's real similar. It's just on a lot grander scale. And, uh, and I really, really, really like it. Um, I really like being involved in this kind of thing. And, and I know that 
several different people are trying to work on one for the state, but it's really, really hard for logistics. Um, go in, go into that a little bit more because that's actually where I was going to go with this. I wanted okay. to ask you kind of what do you think it would take for us to be able to have one of these in the States, or why can't we? Maybe is a better question. Uh, <clears throat> the hard part about having it in the States is the different areas that you can – like you can't ride 150 miles anywhere in a straight line in the States right. legally. In a race, like you just can't. You can do little cloverleaf things, and you could do 100 miles, and then you could get on the highway and transit to the next spot. And then, but the next spot is 400 miles away. So you thought that 180 mile transit sucked. Imagine an entire day that is transit, and that's it. Yeah. Like it's it's just like we have Lucerne. Well, then Red Mountain is 120 miles away from that. So you'd have to do that, and then you have to transit to Red Mountain, and then oh well right there across the street so that's kind of closer but then from red mountain to oh. nevada and then from the like from uh nevada area panaka it's like 500 miles so the next place north that you can ride and then the next place is utah and the next place is idaho so there's just not there's just not these expansive areas where we can ride for like i said 150 miles or 111 miles was one of the I mean, day three, we had 250 miles of special test. It was that little 71 or 41 and then the 111 one and then the 90-mile one. There's nowhere in America that you can do that right now, uh, legally, anyways. Um, so it's just the logistics of it that really makes it hard. I mean, we're really working hard to, to put on something like that. Um, with the National Hair and Hound Series, we have uh, all these different groups that put on races in Utah and Nevada and Southern California and Central California and and uh, uh, Idaho and, and all these places. And so we're working on organizing it in a line so we can try to do something, but it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough. Um, and getting everybody on the same page. And, and then on top of that, there's really not that much uh, demand yet. We kind of have to create it. We have to create the demand. I mean, a lot of people don't realize what a rally is. It just hasn't come. It hasn't really hit home yet kind of like soccer like we care about it just about as much as we care about soccer so which is like eh, a little bit so you know um i think the the idea would be to grow um grow national or grow uh rally in america to where we, it's like a stepping stone stepping stone stepping stone to where we can do something real and really big out here right i like this idea though of where it could go i like yeah that idea. and so our our club i'm in vcm ventura county motorcycle club uh, one of the things that we've been talking about, because we do a big three-day dual sport in Bishop, there are certain areas that you could potentially race. So we're talking about doing one of the days as a rally, um, just to try to bridge the gap between racer and dual sporter and kind of meet in the middle with the rally kind of thing. Uh, so I think I think that's where kind of the Baja Rally stands right now, is we're the stepping stone to real rally. I mean, because it, it's just getting started, we, we've kind of it's kind of loosey-goosey it's kind of we uh you know get done and drink a bunch of beers and then go to sleep and get up and do it again i mean we our rules were a page long um you know so we're just getting started and just just um trying to make it easy for people to participate instead right. of making it hard for people to participate and so um, so what are the talks yeah. and plans moving forward is there a, is is there discussion for baja rally 3.0 absolutely okay i good. mean uh we have already got dates for it um, uh, 
based on my schedule pretty much and based on the, the uh, you know, Scotty, Scotty Bloom put the whole thing together. So it's really uh, his brainchild and everything. And I'm just here to, to make it happen and help him make it happen um, and make it go smoothly as possible. Um, but it's his whole deal. I mean, he, he uh, uh, gets all the, gets all the permits, gets all the stuff. Um, and where they might need permits or just talk to the landowners, you know, fix one guy's generator so we can go through his place or give another guy a case of beer so we can go through his place, you know, and it's stuff like that instead of permits, but you have to go to all these people and talk to all these people. So he's organizing all that um, and the whole thing really. And so uh, I know that he's, we're looking at five days next year, um, like a middle of the week thing instead of ending on Sunday and then everybody having a bust ass to get home. Ending on Friday, so then we can party Saturday. And I mean, that's you know, we know we haven't had any real discussion because we're all still winding down. Oh yeah, um, I bet. Well, absolutely. There, is there even any? What what would be the? What are the possible dates that you guys are throwing around? Uh, not the ISDE weekend and not the Baja weekend. Probably somewhere in between. Okay. Which ISDE next year is going to be the first two weeks of September, September right? Yeah. And then Baja is in November. So most likely the last week in September to the first week in October. Damn um, well, well, I'll teach you. Don't, don't, <laughs> what are you doing? Don't do it on the 24th. Don't let it happen. Not the 24th. It's like the 29th or something. It's the 27th or something. All right. Just don't let it happen on the 24th, and I can most likely make it. I think it's the 27th to the 4th or something. Awesome. See, that that could probably work out (laughs) because me missing my wedding anniversary, which is September 24th this year, because it was our four-year anniversary, wasn't a huge deal. My wife got over it quickly. But since next year is going to be five years and I miss this year, I was like, well, you know, I'll get you away from the kids and we'll take a break and literally not think about anything. And she, no, she will. Yeah, that will no, not be no. the wedding anniversary that she wants. <laughs> that I know this. Happen. That will end in divorce and me not being able to see my kids again because she will oh, come God. up with stories that I will never be able to see them. It will be horrible if that were the case. Everybody was like, "Dude, bring her to Baja. She'll love it." It's like, no, no. Nope. I mean, my if that was if we didn't have kids to leave with everybody and she was able to take a week off of whatever work she was doing to come down there and hang out and help my dad help me. Yes. She would enjoy that. But that being her, her wedding anniversary trip? No. That she would not, yeah. she would, she would, yeah, I mean, I would literally well, when, be when like stabbed 18, in my sleep. Yeah, when your kids are 18, then you can come down. Yes. You don't have to leave with nobody, nothing. Absolutely. They don't need to be 18 for that shit, because if I come home and they had a party, I'll kill them. Oh, okay. So, okay. That's it. I'm going to leave and I'll be like, don't do anything stupid. And if I come home and they did something stupid, we'll figure some shit out and somebody might have to live you know in the backyard for a while but so so how did you feel about the baja rally i loved it i was i was so disappointed that my bike blew up but at the same time it was so it literally was so there was so lack of there was so little amount of pressure to feel like you had to race you know and you had to compete and you had to you know be the fastest you could be there was none of that kind of pressure like there would be at any other race that I wasn't, I was, I was just kind of like, well, damn it, this is not what I wanted to have happen. But everybody around me is awesome. We're gonna have a fun time. I'm gonna go support everybody that's gonna keep doing this. We're not gonna leave. We're gonna have fun. And then 
You know, it was getting to Coco's and everybody talking about everybody seeing that the Suzuki SP. Yeah. You know, being ride like, you, you should ride that. And I'm like, you're stupid. <laughs> no, and blah 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 blah. And then my dad and I talking about it the next day. That really like, okay, let's. You know what? That's what this is about. This is about getting out here and riding your dirt bike, enjoying it, and having a damn good time yeah. about it. Um, I felt yeah. like that was as an enthusiast and as a passionate person about just riding your dirt bike and enjoying the sport and the people you're with, yeah. that was the only way to do it. And that was the right way to finish it was to just get on the damn thing and see what happened. Yeah. Um, and, and you passed people. Yeah. Like no joke started dead last and passed other people on the SP 200. Yeah. The SP air cooled 200 CC. That was amazing. Bike. That, that was amazing. That I was... don't think the tires, I don't think the tires were from 1987, but I can <laughs> tell you they were not from 2014. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they probably like... weren't from the 2000s. <laughs> that was like Jason Adams last year on that BMW, the twin cylinder BMW with didn't have shock linkage. It had shock mounts. And it was <laughs> seventies. I think it was a 1982 or 1979 or something like that. And Ugh. When he started, it was like, well, we'll be getting him. And he finished. And he didn't do bad. And that's what was, you know, and that's what was cool about the SP is they were the same thing. Ah, uh, well, we're going to be getting him later on because you're like puking oil already and like all this stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so everybody was like, well, we'll be getting him. And you were not one of the ones we had to get. This is, so, this is true. I, 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 I actually had fun on that bike. Yeah. Like it wasn't, I, I, I mean, it was an ass beating. Yeah, um, it totally but it was funny more than, it was just funny the whole time you're doing it yeah and like so literally when i started friend. the first test i mean like i was just like third gear just like <laughs> and then i was kind of like okay i'm going a little too slow so then i like yeah. i'd stand standing up and kind of like seeing what i could do on it and then by the end of that first test like that mama espinosa's test i mean i i figured out how to actually get that thing moving um yeah. and keep the momentum up it was the sand that just totally messed my world up though dude oh, holy it, crap yeah. those sand yeah. dunes and then being on the beach and everything I, oh, yeah. oh and then the whoops <laughs> at the end of the third test <laughs> jesus i mean it's just like it was all about figuring out what that bike could do well and what it couldn't do well and then At finding all. a way to force it <laughs> to always do what it could do well and as long as it had traction, it would carry momentum. So in the whoops, I realized I had to manual everything. Uh, that that rear wheel could never leave the ground because if it left yeah. the ground, it wasn't tracking. And if it wasn't tracking, I was losing momentum immediately. Oh, yeah. So like and I actually passed people in the whoops on that bike. Yeah. Like <laughs> literally would pass people on the left side. And they'd yell at me, and then I'd be fist pump as I'm going by, and then I realize I'm fist pumping <laughs> through the whoops with one hand, so then I'd hold back on it. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. bad shit crazy for sure. Heck yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. But you I finished. Going, oh, man, you're, you're the host of this. Let's go. Oh, I, I don't know, man. I've just been <laughs> – I'm really excited. This – the Baja Rally for me was exactly what I thought it was going to be, and at the exact same time, it was different from what I thought it was going to be. I didn't. I, I think I. I think maybe because I had really no expectations, that yeah. it, that that made it even better because it yeah. just kind of. Uh, at no time did I feel like I had to compete in anything. I just had to go and enjoy this event, um, and it completely delivered on that because I completely enjoyed the shit out of it. 
Um, yeah. And, I, and then as Scott and I were talking about, you know, the old timekeeping enduro kind of feel and how this is the evolution of that. Um, maybe not yeah. even the evolution. I don't know how long this is this rallying thing has been around. But for those in the states, <laughs> for those in the states that are still yeah. on that bandwagon of look, oh, timekeepers is the way. Get into rally. Find somebody, yeah. go to RMS schools, go to the Quinn Cody schools, talk to Jimmy Little, Lewis, Jimmy Lewis, Jimmy Lewis. Jimmy Lewis. Uh, Jimmy Lewis. Like, figure it out, man, because it's the way to do yeah. it. It's so much fun. Well, it's, it's, I, I would say, because like Kurt Caselli was going on to rally. It's, yeah. It's the, the pinnacle of off road. I mean, you know, it's, it's the toughest. I mean, imagine doing what you did, but 500 miles a day for 13 days. Whew. That's Dakar. And that's, I mean, and there's nowhere that you're going. Like, it's not like where we were like, oh, we're kind of on this road and we're kind of on that road. I mean, there is that, but there's, you'll have a whole day that's dunes. That's it. It's like you're following cap heading after cap heading after cap heading. You're like, I don't know where the heck I'm going. (laughs) I'm in a dune. What is, you know, I don't even know to reference. So it's, I I think personally, I think it's the pinnacle of off-road. It's, um, you know, the smartest rider and the fastest riders. And the best, um, I mean, the, the, the companies put in millions and millions and millions of dollars into these races. I, mean, I, I did not get paid a million dollars for this, so I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, I'm saying the companies put it into the race. I don't oh. think anybody gets paid that amount. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I mean, I know the, uh, the entry fee for Dakar is like 20 grand, and that's not including anything else. That's just your entry fee. I mean, th- then you have the bivouac fees and you have like your support. Support guys have to pay money to be there to be support. Um, you know, kind of similar. Like, I mean, it's just it's kind of like what we did, but on an like an exponentially grander yeah. scale. And that I think that's kind of where the Baja Rally fits in. Like for Scott Bright, you know, a, a chance to put put the things that he's learned from RMS into practice. You know, I can be told all day long that this is what this cap heading means, and this is what this means, and this is what this means. But until I've screwed it up like five times, I'll never learn it. And so Baja Rally gives them the opportunity to try it. And I think it gives people, because that's uh, Shogo, uh, the uh, the photographer. Yep, the one from he Japan. Was saying, yeah. yeah, the guy from Japan was like, you know, my friends in Japan, they don't understand. Like, is this an adventure rally? Is this a real rally? I mean, you got guys, Andy Greider was wearing a backpack while racing. And like, you know, things like, but then next to him, you've got Carlos uh, Gracida, from Guadalajara, Mexico, who's a full-blown rally racer yeah. on a full-blown rally bike with his rally leathers and everything, and like starting like Andy's beating him. And same thing with same thing with uh, Scott Bright. He was just on a KTM with a big tank and a roll thing on the top, and that yep. was the only difference. And I mean, so it's kind of hard to place where we're at, but only doing it for two years. I mean, I feel like it is the stepping stone of, into the next thing. I mean, it's, it's something for like Americans and Mexicans and people locally. Uh, you know, we have people from Colorado, Vermont, a guy from Scotland that was, you know, Sid Milton, yeah. last guy on every day. And he comes in, I'm like, are you okay? Are you okay? And he's like, I have the ride of my life. This is great. <laughs> Cruising. Everything. I didn't crash. I did nothing. And I was like, all right, man, that's cool. And so it gives guys like that an opportunity to try something that they, they wouldn't be able to try otherwise. I mean, you can't just go, and do any of those bigger rallies and just go do I mean, you can, but not realistically for regular mortal people. Um, so I think that gives everybody the opportunity to participate in it um, and then a stepping stone to go into it. Uh, like uh, Grider has done it before. Um, a couple of uh, Ned Cease had did it before. Mark Johnson or Mike Johnson 
did the Baja Rally last year to prep for Dakar, just like Scott Bright did it this year to prep for Dakar. Um, I think that's kind of where it is at this point, is it's a prep for the real deal because it's, it's accessible to regular people yeah. because it's not a $20,000 entry fee. It's a $2,000 entry fee, which for regular people, that's still like a crazy amount of money. Right. Um, but yeah, when but you I, consider that, like, I think I was talking to Dave Peckham because my dad and I were already interested about maybe going and doing some more. And he's like, well, unfortunately, you're going to have to go to Europe. I was like, well, okay, just for shits and giggles, what's that going to cost? And he goes, just you, you're looking at about seven, 7500 bucks. Yeah. Um, and that's not including flights. So just get no. crazy with it and call it ten grand. You know, um, yeah. that's high, but still, just go. You know, that okay. I need ten grand because I'm going to wind flight. up breaking yeah. something yeah. and pissing away. Yeah, like, so I'm like, oh, well, okay, that won't happen until my kids are, you know, rich, and then they can yeah, pay for their own damn college. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's and that's a that's a uh, that's still only like a six day rally. A lot of those other ones. I mean, and this is this is a four day rally, and it's two grand and. You get, it's kind, it's relatively close to home. You can, you drove there. Um, you know, some of the Mexican dudes flew there, but it was a short flight. And, uh, so people, it's, it's accessible. We can't drive to Europe. I mean, obviously. Um, that's, you know, true. maybe in a, in a re- real drought, we could drive from, uh, Alaska over. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, we'd all be uh, dead by that point. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, I think it's accessible to people who don't, have that kind of support, and then it's it's also a, a stepping stone for people to to put the things that they've learned into practice. Um, with it kind of being loose, like we it's not like we have a very short list of rules, and everything else is kind of like you know just do what you do, and have a good time, and don't be an ass. And that's it. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what it boils down to. So yeah, well, um, I wanted to know if uh, while we were while we were gone, while we were uh, in Mexico on the peninsula. If you have noticed the uh, the press release about Daniel Milner signing a uh, signing a contract with Ampro uh, Yamaha in the states for 2015 to be racing the GNCC and the National Enduro Series, I don't even know who that is. Daniel Milner is he's the winner of the Australian Four Day, so he's won that oh. quite a few times. He's like second oh, okay. overall at the ISDE. Um, he's been top Australian a few times at the ISDE. Uh, he's a very yeah. very very accomplished international. Um, you know, off-road racer, but more so at in in Australia. Um, yeah, and he like did Kobe come Price over. Stuff. Yeah, he did come over two years ago and raced Loretta Lynn's. Um, and he's pretty much known there for having taken out Caleb Russell, who was in the championship <laughs> hunt with, you know, with uh, uh, I believe it was Wibley at the time. Um, oh, Loretta Lynn's the uh, the GNCC, not yes. Loretta Lynn. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, so, but he at the time I think was kind of feeling out the waters to see about coming, you know, and uh, and, and racing here in the states. But it looks like it's coming to fruition. So he's going to be racing this coming weekend as GNCC so, picks back up for the penultimate race awesome. at Powerline. So is Park. that uh, is that with Randy Hawkins? That's correct. That? Yeah, that's Randy oh, Hawkins' that's awesome. team. Yeah. So he's going to be yeah. living there in Traveler's Rest with the, with Hawkins and uh, and yeah. the Ampro team. Um, and it, it it's dude. It's a different form of racing, um, and I think oh, Josh yeah. Strang could tell him because yeah. Josh Strang started out kind of doing the same thing, um, you know, as Milner, and he's come over and transitioned well into the GNCC, obviously getting a championship on the Suzuki. Um, yeah. But then, so it'll be interesting to see how Milner transitions. But I think that's what this part is about. This kind of these first two GNCC or these last two GNCCs that last he's going to be yeah. doing to really kind of say, okay, crap. 
you know, how do they work these races? It's so they, different. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, great. He can ride a bike fast off-road. All of these guys could do that. But can they yeah. pick up to the way that these GNCCs are raced, which is three hours long, super intense, all the kind of crazy stuff? Yeah. You know, you did super one. Super intense start. So. Yeah. yeah, I loved it, though. Yeah. I didn't come back on here to tell you how it went, did I? Well, tell me how it went, then. It went great. Awesome. It was awesome. I met Randy Hawkins. I met Shane Watts. I met Barry Hawk. I met all those guys. I met all those GNCCs guys in person. How many, uh, how many, ha- how many handies did you give? Uh, undisclosed amount. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, that's what stays in oh, Ohio. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, you're, you're throwing me out. Now I forgot. Hey what man, Ohio is for lovers, bro. Do it. Yeah. Um, but I met all these guys, Caleb Russell. I mean, I met him before, but I met his sister. She does signups for GNCC. Um, I met Chuck Weir. He does signups too for GNCC, who's the head of the AMA off-road division. Yep. Uh, you know, I saw the way that they run their thing. It's insane. It's, it's a, a it's a, it's a huge organization. That's for damn yeah, sure. We spent, we spent a long time making fun of you, which is good. Everybody, um, everybody and, enjoyed that apparently. Oh. Uh, and then, uh. Yeah, then you could call Eric and tell him how badass I did at the, at the rally and tell him to suck it. That's what Oh I'm yeah. No, you killed it. You killed it on it with SP. But. But the KR4 guys were awesome. Um, I mean, so I learned a lot, a lot, a lot. And meeting with Alan Rant uh, from National Enduros and then actually racing the National Enduro in Colorado where my brother got, he was on here for that, I think. Yep. Got ninth overall and I did okay. Uh, I mean, I got seventh out of, and seventh 258 out of 25 or something. So for me, that was awesome. Yeah, dude. Uh, that's like, that's like top quarter. That's really good. Yeah. I was, I was, well, I got 69th overall out of, uh, 550 so well, it was okay i mean it was real dusty i would have done yeah thank you i would have done better um but but it was good and and i learned a lot of things that you know we were able to apply to national hair and hounds for next year um and, and actually the national hair and hound association is taking over the western hair scramble series next year as well oh, interesting um so there's there's a that was actually in cycle news uh on accident but no one really or not yeah cycle news but people just flipped through that so um, but, uh, so we're working on our final schedule for that. And then, so GN, going to GNCC was huge. Um, I think it helped just in general with the Baja rally too. I mean, I, uh, I learned a lot of things and how to handle situations and how to, like you were saying, being transparent. Um, cause before, like earlier this year and, and before, like halfway through this year and earlier, I w- I'm, I'm known for just saying it like it is, like you said, like just saying it like it is and whatever happens from there, that's it. Well, I've learned my lesson <laughs> this year, this year, pretty, pretty harsh, um, where, you know, telling a volunteer that they almost killed someone doesn't make them stoked on you. Um, you I, know, I can see that. They're not happy about that, that, that when they go, Oh, all this stuff is going on. I'm like, uh, yeah, because you screwed it up. Oh, Eric. I think he killed his, uh, not only did he, did he freak out that volunteer, but he just killed his internet connection too. He's like, screw you, internet connection. And it's like, ah, I don't want to handle you anymore. You're, you're whatever. Well, while we have a quick break and we try to get Eric Kudla back on, I was going to talk to you guys about Fast Company. So Fast Company, 
awesome supporter of Seat Time. And as well, you know what they do? They make the flex bars. And those bitchin' flex bars help with your hands. Did I have them on my 450? Absolutely. Did I have them on the SP200? No, but that's because that was before the time of oversized clamps and oversized bars. So, can't fit them on there, but you can. And you could go check them out at fastco.com. It's really neat. Uh, they have the same characteristics in your hand that traditional bars do, and they absorb and protect you from the abuse that's, uh, so you can ride longer and ride harder. Uh, definitely, if you go of Ricky Russell, Jason Thomas, Jesse Grome, and Ryan Sipes of riders like that, they run flex bars and they have a good time doing it. So I think you should check them out and see what's going on. So we're having trouble getting Eric back. My computer's telling me it's about to go to sleep on me. I think we're going to have to start wrapping this up. So Eric, Hello. are you back? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we got 10 minutes before my computer dies, so we're going to have to wrap this up. So okay. Eric... You had a great time at the Baja Rally. I had Absolutely. a great time at the Baja Rally. I'm already looking forward to it next year. Hopefully, I get a chance to go, and I can just go from my fifth-year wedding anniversary with my wife literally to meet my dad in San Diego again and go do the Baja Rally. What do you think? That's awesome. That's, That's should, how it should be. Um, I know we're going to If we do it that way, my wife may actually go. Like, if she yeah, gets exactly. three days of nothing, yeah, so exactly. maybe. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, one thing that we're going to have for sure is packets for people like your dad to give them directions when when we say go to san felipe and he goes where's that yeah and, and go to go to uh coco's uh okay yeah where's that or i know Gonzaga bay which is where yeah you yeah. like i i you need a baja rookie packet or this is yeah. for the dummies in no well, derogatory sense just oh, the no, people that all. are dumb to baja like have never yeah. been there which was all of us yeah in, explain in our how a checkpoint works yeah because you guys i could imagine going into your first checkpoint you're like okay what's happening now yeah, so i do and, what yeah what and you didn't you had no idea what was going to happen or or that when you see gas buy it because that may be the last one you just don't know yep uh and things like that and um and one of the things that uh we were really promoting was the um ecotourism well, if we had little bios of all the places we're driving through, all the places we're stopping. I mean, so we learned a lot, uh, a lot of things that we can add to next year's rally and, and make it really amazing. Um, cause I know that the tracks, uh, with, besides, you know, a mistake here, a mistake there due to high tide or the hurricane screwed up a lot of things. Right. Um, so we had amazing tracks. We had amazing views. You had amazing riding, amazing tests, great competition. Well, now we got to focus on the chase crews and make sure that they're happy because they they got to get to every point too, uh, you know. So and and make it really good for them so it's real easy. Like Ela was driving that giant monster truck of a chase vehicle by herself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the racers' wives and and just whopping on through and just doing it, making it happen. But I mean, we have to make sure that all the support crews are taken care of as well. So. Um. Yeah, 2015 is gonna be great. I'm already looking forward to it. So I am as well. Yeah. I've got to. I got to decide if I'm gonna fix the 450 and sell it, or just sell it as is and get less for it. Um. Yeah. Or sell. Uh. You know. Do I get rid of it to fix it? Get rid of it and and maybe get something a little bit newer to kind of soup up. Or do I just get a 350 and ride that next year and just say fuck it? 100 CCs isn't hey. gonna be. No, no, it doesn't make a difference. And, and I know one of the things we're looking at is because the, the biggest complaint that I had heard from people that weren't able to go was the gas mileage. 150 miles is hard to do for a lot of, like that basically then relegates it to KTM or Honda. 
because it's really hard to find a tank that big for a Kawasaki or a Suzuki. I mean, they had everything out of the DRZ, but that was that's a DRZ. I mean, yeah. So so it, re- it then it really relegates you to who can participate. And so one of the things we talked about was having the Rally Pro class be 150 miles, FIM rules, yada yada yada, restrict on everything, and then the Rally One class being like first time rally guy, 50 mile 50 mile gas. And the rules are a little bit more sportsman and it's not as strict. And so that, so that we can have a little bridge jumping, a uh, stepping stone into real rallies. So somebody that's never done it before can do rally one, learn how to do it. And then the people that are veterans of it and know what they're doing and have the rally bikes and have the distance can do rally pro. So, right. well, I have a 6.6 gallon tank now that I guess is going to get hung on a mantle somewhere. I mean, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna mount it above my uh, my fireplace, just like it's like some deer yeah. antlers or something, because it's yeah. it's big enough to hang shit off of. Yeah, um, it's pretty, Use pretty it impressive. A, it won't work as a coat rack. Everything will just slide off. Uh, well, yeah, unless I have <laughs> two really big coats. Oh yeah, we'll see. Well, cool. Right, well, we gotta wrap this up. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I really appreciate <laughs> you coming on the show. Um, where can people find out more about what you're doing on the internet? Uh, or what you're doing uh, if they are on the internet and uh, want to know more. Uh, getextreme.com, I guess. G-E-T hyphen X-T-R hyphen E-M-E. That's like the worst email. URL ever. Ah, shut up. It's awesome. Come on. No, um, it's extreme. The other one, the, it's extreme. Yeah, the other ones, the other ones were all taken, so that was all I could do. I'm working on getting gxcoffroad.com. I just haven't done it yet. Oh, um, okay. But... Uh, I'm on Twitter, GXE Off-Road, and I'm on Instagram, GXE Off-Road, and I'm on Facebook. If you just look up Get Extreme, it'll come up. Or me, my name, E-R-E-K-K-U-D-L-A, post all that stuff. So, I mean, I'm, I'm involved in kind of everything, and I'm kind of everywhere on the West Coast, like you always say. Um, so if you want to know about things happening over here, just hit me up. There it is. And that's why he yep. comes on the show, and he treats us to a good time. So, Eric Kudla, thank you very much yep. for being on the show. We very, very much thank appreciate you. it. And it was great to meet you in person. Yeah. I thought you, it was, it was funny how we just said, hey, what's up, Eric? And you were like, Brian. And we've actually never met before, but since we do the show all the time, it feels like we know each other, you know, yeah. like, like we're buddies of years past. So, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm glad you're as easy to get along with in person as you are on the internet. Yeah, same, same. My Especially, brother's a lot gayer, but I'm good. I hear that. Stupid guy <laughs> falling on his dirt bike. What an idiot. Yeah, what a dummy. <laughs> all right man well thanks again have fun and uh hope to see you in the near future i hope it's not a whole year before i see you again i shouldn't be shouldn't be i'm gonna go try to do a j day i think next year and some other things and so maybe i'll try to get out to torx or whatever you guys have over there yeah you can come yeah. to anything torx uh, yeah i've got torx torn tccra or tsec i say come to tsec because that's the enduros and those are a lot of oh, fun are they timekeepers uh no what they're still fun uh, you, guys, you guys have the national though don't you uh-huh are you sh- you might because we got tired of seeing our numbers dwindle yeah yeah uh do you have any timekeepers just saying no no timekeepers the whole series is that is restart format okay they're fun i mean i'll be there i mean at least nothing else we'll get to hang out right yeah exactly works good yeah are we offline already no oh we're still going oh yeah this, this is, is random, random bullshit time toward the end random went on yep all right there was something else i wanted to tell you but i can't remember all right we'll talk to you later I'll tell you if I remember. All right, dude. Take it easy. Thanks again. Oh. Uh, go ahead. Uh, oh, uh, now that I'm in town, I get to go to a punk show, and I'm going to go see Reagan Youth right now. Nice. Awesome. Hell yeah. So, get on it, man. Get on it, man. Yeah, oh, and, uh, have you heard of Beartooth? Beartooth? Beartooth. Go check it out. Oh. I shared one of their videos on Facebook today. Go check them out. It is like good 
hardcore punk. Like, well, it's a, it, it's a little, it's a little. No, I'll check it out. It's a little I'll bit harder right than that, but still, you'll like it. I'll check it out right now. All right. Yeah, scared it. Bye. Okay. All right, bye. Bye now. All right, everybody. That was Mr. Eric Kudla. So this evening we have had Scott Bright on, the overall champion for the 2014 Baja Rally, um, and then Eric Kudla, who uh, promoter of the GXE Off Road, and uh, did a lot of the results um, for like Heron Hound um, and the Baja Rally, which just happened. Uh, super, super fun. I'm very much looking forward to see what's going to happen with Daniel Milner coming over. I. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get used to the different racing formats. A lot of the racing he's done has not been the type of intense cross-country racing that we have here in the States. Um, he's obviously extremely fast on a dirt bike. There's no question about that. Um, but I think there will be a little bit of a period of transition for him. Um, I'm looking forward to it, though. It's going to be awesome. Caleb Russell already won the championship, so if he goes through on his word, he will be racing the 150 at the last two rounds. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I think that is going to be freaking awesome. Uh, I don't expect him to win, but I do expect him to go out there and have a blast doing it. So it should be really cool. Um, yeah, so we got the the full gas sprint enduro coming up. I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes um, and what Hoop has in store for everybody and then the feel on it. Um, so if anybody's signed up and looking to go, please reach out to us and let us know one, what your expectations are, and then two, after it happens, let us know how it breaks down for you and if you enjoyed it. Uh, this has been Seat Time, number episode, uh, number episode, episode number 143. You can find out more about Seat Time on SeatTime.co. That is the website where everything is archived. We are on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Seat Time. Of course, uh, Twitter, Twitter.com slash Seat Time underscore CO. And Instagram, we are Seat Time, no space. You can go to YouTube and subscribe to us there, and that will be able to tell you when we update episodes, or you can listen to audio only on Stitcher and iTunes. Remember, two words, search for seat time. Big thanks to Fly Racing, Stillwell Performance, and Fast Company for their support of seat time. We would not be able to do this without them. So thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next week. I think we're going to be talking to the new National Enduro champion, Andrew DeLong. We will talk to Caleb Russell and listen about his 150 experience. And soon, Daniel Milner will be on. And also, we're going to talk to Sean Reddish about works and Manx, Marks, Mach, M-A-K-X, and the partnership that's going to be going on there. So definitely tune in soon, guys. Thanks again. Talk to you later. Peace.